0: How much courage do you have? Would your friends or coworkers or family members call you a courageous person? Our text this morning from the Old Testament book of Proverbs is just one verse of Scripture, and it says this, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Now, the dictionary definition uh, of courage is this, the ability to face and deal with a dangerous or difficult situation. From this statement, it would seem that there are two parts to courage, positioning ourselves to face a situation and then having the ability to deal with it. It's interesting to read modern writers on the subject of courage um, because they give us some interesting definitions. For instance, one uh, that is often quoted, goes this way. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. Courage is the strength to go beyond our own limits. Courage is the ability not to let people know how scared you are on the inside. Courage is doing what you are afraid to do, and when there's no fear, there is no courage. And then this one from General George Patton Courage is fear that holds on for one more minute. So think about the definition. It's the ability to face and deal with a dangerous or difficult situation. And then I'm going to ask you again, how much courage do you have? Would your friends call you a courageous person? It's interesting to think about the images of courage. Most of the popular images of courage have to do with people fighting in some sort of a battle. It's the soldiers coming ashore at Omaha Beach. It's the Marines landing on Iwo Jima. It's the blue and gray battling at Gettysburg. It's Harriet Tubman leading slaves to freedom on the Underground Railroad. It's Martin Luther King Jr. standing up for equal rights, or President Kennedy standing strong during the Cuban Missile Crisis. See, these are some of the popular images of courage. They have to do with warfare or fighting or standing tall against all opposition. And I don't deny or doubt in the least that these are part of what courage is all about. However, that is, if that's all that courage means, most of us are left out because most of us won't ever be in some of those situations. So I've been thinking about the many faces of courage today, and this is what I think courage is. It is a person dealing with a diagnosis of terminal cancer. It's a single mother struggling to raise her family. It's a widow who faces the last years of her life without her beloved husband by her side. It's a child of divorce struggling with his self-image with doubt and anger and fears of rejection. It's a single person who chooses purity over promiscuity. It's an engaged couple who will wait, even though the world says, go ahead. It's somebody who chooses to live and serve in a community where very few others will go. It's an employee who sees something wrong, greed or corruption, and has the courage to blow the whistle. It's a family that has enough love to embrace foster children, especially those who need extra love and care. What do all of these have in common? I think mainly four things. Bravery in the face of danger, steadfastness in the face of opposition, action in the face of resistance, and optimism in the face of despair. Bravery says, I won't be afraid. Steadfastness says, I won't give up. Action says, I won't be intimidated. And optimism says, I won't lose heart. It's amazing how um, much the Bible has to say on this subject. In Joshua 1, 6 and 7, it says, Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them turning either to the right or to the left, and then you will be successful in everything you do. Joshua 1.9, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Psalm 27.1-3, the Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. 1 John 4.18 Perfect love expels all fear. Read your Bible sometime and count the number of times God tells us not to fear. The people who count such things tell us that there's that over 360 references in Scripture and we are, that we're, where we are told not to fear. Today I want to suggest to you four steps in dealing with fear. These four steps will help move you from fear or from, uh, to faith and from cowardice to courage. And the first is this. We need to remember our position. Our text says, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. The righteous can be bold. The wicked should be scared to death. Courage is to remember who you are in Jesus Christ. To remember that in Christ you are strong and you are victorious and you are accepted and you are justified and you are redeemed and you are completely forgiven. Your sins are washed away. You're made a member of God's family. You were born for courage, not for fear. You can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And when it comes to matters of faith and using our spiritual gifts, if we have a spirit of fear or if we're timid or if we're anxious... That did not come from God. God does not give his people a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and courage. Some of you are old enough to remember the story of the 1980 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid. It's the story about the American hockey team basically made up of young men barely out of their teens. Some of them were just out of college. Some of them still in college. All basically amateurs. They were given no chance of winning the gold medal because to win it, they would have to defeat the mighty, awesome, unbelievably talented Russian hockey team. A team that we had not beaten in Olympic competition in 20 years. A team that was considered to be invincible. In 1980, the American team won the first game, the second and the third game, and moved into the medal round. And there, they were to face the Russian team in the semifinals. Almost nobody thought that they could win that game. Gathered in the locker room before the game, the coach, Herb Brooks, looked at the faces of his players and he knew that he had just one chance to say something to them. And he said just one sentence. He said, men, you were born to play this game. As one, they got up and they went out on the ice and they defeated the mighty Russian team. And they went on to beat Finland to win the gold medal against all odds. Today I will say the same thing to you as a Christ follower. You were born to play this game. You were born for courage and for bravery and for strength to be an overcomer. God has given you his spirit. You were not born to be a loser. You were born through Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit to be victorious over all of your problems. For all of your struggles, all of the trials of this life. Secondly, we need to remember, uh, we need to confront our fears. Remember the text, the wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. You will always be gripped by fear until you decide to confront it. Fear will win every day until you stand up and look fear straight in the face and say, you know what, you're not going to win over me anymore. By the help of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to win against you. You will never win until you rise up and confront the thing that is dragging you down. Courage is nothing more than seeing the fear and taking action against it. How many of you uh, know the 95% rule of worry? it goes like this 95% of the things that we worry about won't ever happen some of you may be surprised to know that but i uh, to know this but i tend to worry sometimes and then i hear this little voice inside of me saying stop worrying you're worrying about something that's never going to happen and even if it does happen you deal with it then God has given us a sound mind so that we can look at our problems, and he's given us power so that we can overcome the problems, and he's also given us love so that we can respond to his character. And there is no reason for a child of God to be be gripped and destroyed by fear. Some time ago I ran across a very interesting story. It's a story about Jackie Robinson the first black man to play baseball in the major leagues. A man by the name of Branch Rickey, the manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers, tried to sign Jackie up back in the 1940s. No black man had ever played in the major leagues. And Jackie wanted to, but he was scared of the reaction. Here's the story of their encounter as Branch was trying to recruit him. Mr. Rickey, I said, it sounds like a dream come true, not only for me, but for my race, but There will be trouble ahead for you, for me, and for my people, and for baseball. Trouble ahead? Branch Rickey rolled that phrase over his lips as though he liked the sound of it. You know, Jackie, I was a small boy when I took my first train ride. On that same train, there was an old couple also riding for their first time. We were going through the Rocky Mountains. The old man was sitting by the window, and he looked ahead and he saw that just ahead of us there was what looked like a sheer drop-off. He said, trouble ahead, Ma. We're high above the precipice and we're going to run right off. To my boyish ears, the noise of the wheels repeated it. Trouble ahead, trouble ahead, trouble ahead, trouble ahead. I never heard, I never hear train wheels to this day, but what I think of that story. But our train... Course bent at the last moment into a tunnel, right after the old man spoke, and we came out on the other side of the mountain. That's the way it is with most trouble ahead in this world, Jackie. If we use the if we use the common sense and courage God gave us, but you've got to study the hazards and build wisely. God is with us in this, Jackie. You know your Bible; it's good, simple Christianity for us to face realities. And recognize what we're up against. We have to fight our problems together with tact and common sense. It's a great line, isn't it? We have to confront our fears. We might think we're going to go over the edge sometimes. But we're never going to know until we get out there and confront it. Third, we need to censor our input. A healthy mind is absolutely essential to getting free from fear. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, and it talks about our behavior. It says, in essence, as a person thinks in their heart, so they are. There's a negative side to this and a positive side. The downside is that we often have to cut negative people out of our life, those who are dragging us down. We all have people in our lives who are telling us that we can't do something that it can't be done, that it won't work. They tell kids that they can study all they want, but they can work as hard as they want, and they, can, they still won't amount to much. They tell adults that they can apply for that job, but they'll never get it. See, there are people in all of our lives who are just a bunch of, bunch of cants and aints and naysayers who will pull us down and feed our fears. And we need to censor our input so that we're not listening to people who are feeding the fear. The positive side is Romans twelve two, which says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Colossians 3, 2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Philippians 4, 8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing— Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things, things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Psalm 119, 165. Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. You see, this will work for us, but we have to make it work. Put the word of God in one ear and let fear go out the other ear. Fill your mind with the word of God and you won't have... time to dwell in the depths of fear or to be overcome by it maybe you have a friend who's going through a difficult experience right now a terrible thing is happening uh, to her and it's hard because it's not her fault you ask her how she's doing and she pours out her story it's awful you don't know what to tell her because there is another person involved and you don't know all the details there's no magical formula you can give her you can, cha- you can change your own heart, but you can't change somebody else's heart. It's in the hands of God. So you tell her that you don't know how to change the situation, but you can suggest to her how she, what she ought to be doing personally. And you can tell her you can take care of yourself. You can handle yourself with re- without regard to that other person. So I would suggest you might encourage her to start memorizing some scripture. Something like Psalm 121. I look... To the mountains, does my help come from there? No, my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Why do that? Because when we put the word of God in one ear, fear tends to go out the other. Another good psalm to read and memorize is Psalm 91. It has a lot of beautiful images in it. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High God will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in Him. In the midst of times of great stress and turmoil, we have to decide to censor our input and to build our life around the Word of God and build it into our minds so that in the middle of what what ought to be a fearful situation, we can be strong because we're standing on what God has said. Literally build God's Word into your mind. You have to censor your input in a time of crisis so that God's word becomes not only something we read about on Sunday, but literally the stuff we live on. And then finally, we need to cultivate our love. We have to live in such a way as if fear did not even exist. 1 John 4.18 says, Perfect love expels all fear." We can either have the love of God or we can have fear generated by Satan, but we can't have both of them dominating our life at the same time. Either fear will push the love out or the love of God will push out the fear. How do we do that? Well, we begin by thanking God even for the thing that is causing us to fear. Have you ever done that? Thanking God for the very thing that is causing you to fear... Lord, I didn't want this and I don't need this. I'm not sure I deserve this, but I thank you for sending it into my life. So teach me through this situation. Next, we can list the blessings that have come into our life because the thing of the thing that we fear so badly. For example, maybe now you're praying more and maybe now you're reading your Bible more. Or you're asking your friends to help you pray. Maybe you can't wait to come to church because you're struggling during the week. But best of all, at long last, God has got your attention, which is what he wanted to do all along. You can also begin to share some of those blessings you've discovered with other people. Let me tell you quickly the story of Fred. When Fred first got cancer, he said something that I've not heard many other people say. He said, you know, when people get cancer, they want to ask, why me? I've never done that. I have asked the Lord, why not me? Why not me? All my life I have known God's blessings. He's been so good to me. He has watched over me. He's brought me back to himself. He's given me a wonderful wife, a son, a business, a wonderful home, a church, and more friends than anybody should be allowed to have. I've received so many of God's blessings. If this happens to other people, then why shouldn't it also happen to me? And I thought to myself as I read that, when someone goes in with that kind of attitude, that's why when they come out to the end of the road, they're still smiling, still rejoicing, still believing God. And that's what courage is. It's facing and dealing with the impossible situations of life and still believing in God. Still rejoicing in God's goodness. I'm not suggesting today that you should, that you add courage to your life. I'm suggesting that you already have courage as a child of God. God put it into you the moment you came to Christ. So use the courage that God has already given you. You already have victory in Jesus Christ. Live in that victory. You already have power. Use the power that God has given you. What is courage? It's facing and dealing with a dangerous and difficult situation. Here's what I'd like to suggest that you try and do. First, name your fears. You know already what they are. Secondly, make a decision this week to confront those fears and not run away from them. What would your life be like if that fear did not exist? Is it possible to confront your fear and replace it with faith? There's an old Italian proverb that goes this way. It says, better to spend one day as a lion than 100 years as a sheep. (laughs) Translation, better to spend one day with courageous faith in God than a whole lifetime cowering in fear. And then third, live your life knowing that the Lord will be with you. Lift up your head with hope and confidence in Almighty God, that whatever he throws your way, you can face. Don't fear. Instead, take courage and be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Thanks be to God.